the Canadian Military History Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Lacroix. Music provided by the 48th Highlanders of Canada. Today's guest, Warren Officer Lee's book, CD. That was an incentive for me to join the military because my work would be recognized for what it was. Welcome to the Canadian Military History Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Lacroix. I've just returned from my March break vacation in Florida and I'm getting caught up with the podcast and with the show. While I was in Florida, I had an opportunity to meet retired Sergeant Scott Gardner, formerly from the United States Air Force, who is the co-host of a variety of podcasts over at the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network. And we had a good chat. We compared notes on how our different projects originated and some of the obstacles that we've had to overcome in order to make our shows successful. It was great to meet him. It was great to get caught up and to meet a fellow podcast producer. Now, I'm going to do something a little bit unusual in order to introduce our guest for today's episode. What I want you to do is close your eyes and imagine... Well, unless you're driving, but imagine nevertheless a recruit walking into the recruiting center. This recruit is interested in joining the Canadian forces. So picture this recruit in your mind. Try and imagine what this person looks like, what their characteristics are, what you think they might be bringing to the table as a brand new applicant to the Canadian forces. Now, let's change your perspective a little bit, and let's say that they're applying to the Air Force. Not that that really changes much of who they are and what they look like, but that's what they're interested in. Let's change it a little bit and make this applicant a female. So it's no longer him, it's a her. Let's add on to this applicant the fact that they're married, and the fact that they have children, and the fact that they want to join the admin clerk trade, and be in the regular force, Air Force, So the question now is, how much did that change from your initial imagination of that applicant? And I can only imagine what young private recruit or applicant Lise Bourgon was like when she first walked into the Canadian Forces Recruiting Center in order to join the regular force in the Air Force as an admin clerk. I went through that exercise just to take advantage of a little bit of a change of perspective, change of what maybe people typically believe an applicant looks like. Interestingly enough, Warren Officer Lise Bourgon currently works at the Canadian Forces Recruiting Centre as the Unit Sergeant Major. She works at the Canadian Forces Recruiting Centre in New Westminster, British Columbia, and I know that if she's as good as an administrator as she is a Unit Sergeant Major, that unit must be running very well. As we will discuss in the podcast, Warren Officer Lees Bourgogne came to my unit, the Toronto Scottish Regiment, as a sergeant in her very first posting as a chief clerk, and as an Air Force sergeant coming into the world of the infantry for the very first time, it was not only an eye-opener for us, but also an eye-opener for her. We always appreciated the service of Sergeant Bourgogne at the time, and in order to recognize her contribution to the regiment, she was awarded the highest regimental personal achievement award, and I'll let her get into describing that when it's time. So without any further lead-up, here's my interview with Warrant Officer Lise Bourgogne. Warrant Officer Bourgogne, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, sir. I'm very glad to participate. So you and I first met when you were posted to the Toronto Scottish Regiment as the Chief Clerk. Yes, this posting was my first posting as a Chief Clerk. 
it was a very great experience, and I learned a lot as a chief clerk. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I definitely remember you showing up in your Air Force uniform and coming to an infantry unit. I wouldn't even know you weren't part of the infantry after you got used to all of us and all the characters that belong to the Toronto Scottish anyways, and to Fort York as well, because I know you helped out some of the units within Fort York Armory. Yes, as the chief clerk, all four chief clerks around the Fort York Armory, we did help each other quite a bit. So I sent you the questions in advance. Mm -hmm. Did you have a chance to review the questions? Yes, I did. Excellent. Can you tell me why you chose to join the Canadian Armed Forces? I did join the Canadian Armed Forces because I wanted a meaningful career, but I also wanted an equal pay with my peers and also a chance of advancement. My husband was already in the military at the time. I knew about the rank structure and the pay level, that there was no difference in the pay at the same rank doing the same job. And I had had difficulties finding position in the civilian because my husband, being in the military, we moved every four to five years. So I had difficulty finding a career where I could have some advancement. And I was also somewhat disadvantaged in the pay and advancement because I was not from the place or because I was also told one time that because I was married, I was being paid less than the single people. Wow. So that was an incentive for me to join the military because I knew I would have a chance for advancement and also my work would be recognized for what it was, not because I was either married or I was a woman or anything like that. So that was one of the reasons why I joined the military. So is that what you meant when you said equal pay with my peers? Yes. You felt that working for the civilian sector, you wouldn't get paid the same as uh, yes. maybe a male or a single coworker? No, I wasn't even paid as much as a coworker, which was also a woman, because my boss said, well, you're married, so therefore you don't need as much money as a single person, because really your husband should support you. So my peers that were doing the same job as I, the single girls, were being paid a higher wage than I. Wow. So it was not even like previously, even now, there's probably still happening that for the same job, a lot of time they say the man is being paid more than the woman. But for me, it was even women were being paid more than I because I was married and therefore I did not need as high a salary as a single person. Amazing. I joined the infantry the first year that women were allowed in the infantry and I knew there were a lot of incentives, but I always thought those incentives were all based on personal motivation to face a challenge. And I never actually considered that pay equity with your peers was a motivation to join not only the infantry, but any trade in the CF. And that's very enlightening. Yeah, it was for me. What was the world like when you joined? To be honest with you, before I joined the military, I was mainly a stay-at mom and I was only able to find part-time employment. So I did not really follow politics or international news as much as I would do now that I've been in the military for a few years. I can tell you that it was before the USSR fell apart. So the two main powers were still USSR and the United States. And I think there was not as many civil conflicts as there is now all over the world. Right. What year was that when you joined? 1988. 88, same year that I joined. Interesting. What were you like when you joined? I was very shy. (laughs) 
even though I still ha- I, I was married and I had two children, two boys. They were about four and six. And I was looking for, like I said, I was looking for a career, but I also was looking for not just a steady career, but also steady hours. Because the work that I had been able to find before is part-time. I used to work on the weekends or in the evenings. And my husband and I had talked, and I said, well, once the children are in school, I don't want to work weekends and evenings because then I will not see them at all. <laughs> Welcome to the <laughs> Army Reserve. Well done. <laughs> well, yes, but I joined the regular force. Yeah, but you served in the, in the Army Reserve. <laughs> yes. But when I joined the regular force and I joined as an administrative clerk, then 95% of the time, the hours are Monday to Friday, 8 to 4. Right which was a second incentive for me to join the military, was to have a steady job, steady hours, so that I could spend more time with my children after they've gone in school to be there for them in the evening and the weekends. But I was a very shy person, and I did not have the... I did have a little bit of lack of confidence in myself. I have accomplished so many things in the military that I would have never thought at that time that I was able to accomplish. Right. Well, I know that when you were running your orderly room, I would not label you as shy whatsoever. You were able to talk to a corporal, a sergeant, a major, or even the CO with confidence, knowing exactly what you wanted done and how it needed to be done, and whether you were providing advice as an advisor to a senior commander, or if you were providing direction to someone who needed to get something done, I would never consider you to be a shy person. But anyhow. I was when I enrolled. With learning, with learning the trade, and then right away, even before I went on my QL3, because I did not need the language training in Saint-Jean, I was put in Borden in the BOR there on OJT. They started to train me slowly because I did not have my course. It didn't give me many responsibility. But even then, at that point in time, I knew I had found my niche. Like, this is what I was going to be good at. And I, you know what I mean? That I was going to excel right. right away, even before my course. And right away, it started to give me some confidence that I was going to be, that I was going to be successful. I was going to be, I was going to be good at this. This is what I liked. This is what I love to do, even before I went on my course. Right. So uh, right away, and that gave me some self-confidence. And as the year went on, and I went up in rank and then responsibilities, I gained more confidence. So my shyness is not as perceptible right. as it used to be. <laughs> So what is your most memorable experience in the Canadian Armed Forces or your greatest achievement? Now, I did think about this a lot. I cannot pinpoint to the one event. There are several events. I achieved top student of the year in 1988 for the QL3. I actually had the highest mark of all the administrative clerk that went on course at CEPSAL for that year for the QL3 which I think it's a great achievement in itself when you consider there's maybe almost 200 people trained that year. Right. And also getting the Queen's plate from the Toronto Scottish Regiment. Right, the Queen Mother's dish. Yes, the Queen Mother's dish. That was such a surprise and such an honor because I know that it's not given to very many people. And for me, not being a reservist or a member of the Toronto Scottish Regiment, per se, as being regular force, but being given that honor, which is, it was overwhelming. And it really made me feel a part of the unit. 
sometimes when you talk about the other chief clerks, sometimes they feel they're an outsider, they're not part of the unit. I did not feel like that with the Toronto Scottish Regiment. Right away, I felt like I was part of the family, but this really... Cemented it. Yes, it did. Well, I have a picture in my office right now where I'm sitting, and it has all the sergeants and warrant officers of the Toronto Scottish Regiment, and you're standing right beside me. Oh, that's great. We're posed on the steps of Queen's Park, and I can say on behalf of everybody in the warrant officers and sergeants mess, as well as the CO, that there's absolutely no way that you were considered anything less than a member of the regiment. And I want to tell you my third, because I have, I said I want to pick three. Right. And my third one is when I got promoted to one officer. It's the only time that I received my promotion on a parade. Oh, wow. And that was very emotional. And I was, you know, I was leaving the Toronto Scottish Regiment at the same time. I will always remember, to, remember that. Right. Yeah. So who is your greatest influence or the most memorable character that you've encountered? I will have to say, although there were several, I will have to say that Donna Carruthers was the most influential person. She was actually my first supervisor after Cornwallis. When I went to Borden and I was on OGT, she's the one that took me under her wing She'd been a civilian in the record section in Borden for over 30 years. I learned so much from her on work ethics, professionalism, and her work knowledge. Her knowledge of the trade was just so great. I wanted to be like her. I wanted to know as much as her. So I have to say she will be the person that has had the most influence for me because she was my really my first supervisor in the military in my trade. Right. Yeah. So we're on to the last question. What is the greatest challenge you've had to overcome? When I was in Hamilton, when I was a Master Corporal in 1998, I was finishing my university and I was taking classes during the lunchtime or during my annual leave. My last year there in 1998, I was marginalized in my position and I was harassed by my supervisor and the adjutant and that was a very difficult year. My husband was a tremendous support for me during that time. He just kept going leave. Your goal is finishing university and don't worry about work. Eventually, I went to the harassment advisor and I said, sir, I said, there's a situation. And I said, I would like for it to be resolved. And I'm glad I did because the system worked and he was able to settle the situation for me. When I think of it in a retrospect, because I had to live through that experience, I think that as I became a sergeant, even now as a warrant officer, and especially in this job that I am now as a unit warrant officer, I think it's made me aware of how important taking care of oneself and our subordinates or the people around us is crucial right. to make sure that this situation does not happen to somebody else that is within my purview, I guess, or within my environment that I'm aware that these situations do not occur. Right. So it made me more aware, yes, it does happen. Because sometimes if you don't live the experience and there's uh, a lot of courses on alternate dispute resolution, conflict management, harassment advisors, and all of these courses, and then we have these briefing every year on ethics and how these situations are not acceptable and people need to come forward and, you know, we're going to help them out and then deal with these situations. Right. But unless you have lived it, sometimes it's not really real. But for me, it became very real. So I'm very aware, more aware of my surroundings, you could say, than before. Right. Well, anything we can do to care for our troops is vital. Exactly. 
Yeah, unfortunately, you had to go through that experience, but I'm really glad to hear the system worked and everything lined up for you. Yeah, it did. And I think it was a difficult learning experience, but I think in retrospect, it has made me a better person and a better senior and see I'm a better supervisor because now I can see the situation if it occurred to somebody that is near me more than I would have had if I had never lived it. Right. I would be able to see the symptoms, I am hoping. Absolutely. So, Lise, we've come to the end of the four questions. Okay. Is there anything that you're working on right now that you might want to talk about? I worked on a project to make a brochure with MFRC to give to the family of reservists. When I was asked if I wanted to participate, I said, well, what does a regular force person <laughs> give to this project? But it was a very good experience. And I'm very happy I participated because I spent so much time as a chief clerk of a reserve unit. Right. Not that I feel like a reservist, but I, I know what the reserves do and what some of the people go through when they're going away and their family and the worry of if they don't know where to go to get some assistance. Right. So I was very happy I was asked to participate in this project. And I'm hoping that the brochure will be available soon from MFRC and it's going to be across the country. Oh, okay. So any military family resource center across the country should have that brochure? They should, as, as soon as it's approved by Ottawa, obviously. Oh, excellent. So we've come to the end of the show. Is there anything you'd like to say just to wrap up? Yes. I've had a great experience in the military. I've had a great career. And it's all thanks to the people that were around me, not just my family, my friends, but all the people that I work with and all the people that I work for as well. I want to say thank you. Excellent, Lise. Thank you so much for taking the time to be a guest on the show. It was an honor. And I hope that you and I get to meet again sometime in the future, whether you come back to Ontario or whether I find my way out in Vancouver. I do come back to Ontario because the kids are in Ontario. I have one in Oakville and one in Stony Creek. So I get to Toronto, but unfortunately, the visits are somewhat short and spend with them and, and my new granddaughter. Oh, excellent. Congratulations. Yeah, but it would be great to see the people of the Toronto Scottish Regiment. That was my most memorable posting to be honest with you. Well, I'm glad I could make that great experience for you. And you guys took me to the field. Yes, that's right. <laughs> we didn't get you on that parade, though. I wanted you to, on the uh, Trooping of the Colors parade, that portion of the parade where the chief clerk comes and takes the RSM's pay stick so I could draw my sword. Uh, Our timing's never linked up no. that, that that could have happened. All right, Lise, thank you so much again for being a guest on the show. Thank you so much, too. Take care. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Canadian Military History Podcast. I hope that you've enjoyed this episode. If you did enjoy the podcast, please leave some feedback on iTunes. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, please send me an email at mikelacroixcmhp at gmail.com. Please let me know if you'd like me to read your comments on the air. While you're waiting for our next episode, please visit the website at www.canadianmilitaryhistorypodcast.ca or the CMHP Facebook page. If you'd like to support the podcast by making a donation, please click the PayPal link on the webpage. The next time you're considering buying something from Amazon.ca, please visit the Canadian Military History Podcast website and click on my Amazon link. A small portion of your purchase goes directly towards the support and maintenance of the podcast. However, your great price from Amazon doesn't change. All donations will go directly into the production of the podcast. All music is used with the express permission of the commanding officer. 
End tag music is provided by the Princess Patricia's Canadian Light Infantry. Views and opinions are those of the guests of the Canadian Military History Podcast and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Mike Lacroix Productions, the Government of Canada, or the Department of National Defence. This is a Mike Lacroix Production.